Welcome to Question Your Garden, an introspective podcast intended for self-exploration and personal development. I'm your host, Alicia, and I'm the crazy human who thought chatting about my own mental health journey might be helpful for you. I do hope you'll stick around. Now, it needs to be said, this podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment or diagnoses. You should always consult with your doctor or therapist before making any changes to your treatment. Remember, I'm just a person on the internet talking about my own personal experiences and am in no way qualified to make life-changing decisions for you. My family had numerous pets while I was growing up, mostly cats and dogs. Thinking ahead, I may need to warn you that I'm probably going to talk about some things that may be upsetting. Not all the animals in my life lived to ripe old ages. Not all the animals in our care, while I was a child, were taken care of very well. Although, if you've been listening from the beginning, I doubt that'll be much of a surprise. Anywho, if you're just tuning in, I've gone through some sexual abuse grew up in unsanitary living conditions, and it seems may have also suffered from some emotional neglect, which I'm still exploring at this point. I've always found trouble speaking up for myself. Speaking up for the animals, though, nah, it was way easier for me to find my voice for them. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah. The animals. Growing up, We always had at least one cat, but more often than not, there were multiples. The cats didn't do a whole lot for me, though, as you can imagine, since most are fairly independent and show affection on their terms, not needing much from their humans. The dogs, though. The first two dogs I remember us having were a sibling pair that we got from a family up the road who had an oops litter. I guess my parents thought two were better than one, so they could play with and entertain one another. We named them Animal and Bear. At some point, they got relegated to yard ornaments. Front yard, yard ornaments. I'm not sure what happened with Bear, but Animal, allegedly... Animal was asleep behind the tire on the stepbastard's work van when he went to leave for work one morning. The stepbastard figured he'd move when he started up the vehicle, but didn't check to see that he had. I remember him coming inside a few minutes after leaving and letting me know. There wasn't much I could say to him, and he went about his day. I remember peeking out the window after he left to look for any blood in the yard to prove it had happened. I didn't see any. I'm honestly still not convinced that he didn't make up a lie just to take the dog to the shelter so we didn't have to worry about them anymore. I'll never know. At some point later, we got a different dog. Blade. God, it's been so long that I've forgotten the details of how we acquired him, but this time he got tied up in the backyard so he wouldn't get accidentally run over. Blade was a big boy, some 
chow shepherd mix of some sort, I think. My little seven-year-old self wanted to take good care of him and take him on walks, but he was young and untrained and significantly stronger than me. I remember one attempt to walk him in particular. My friends were outside and Blade was so excited to see more people. He easily dragged me down the street, eventually causing me to fall and cut up my hands on the street. I think I dropped the leash too, but I can't remember. I never walked him again after that because I just wasn't strong enough to do it. I also have another memory of standing at the dining room table, which looked out into the backyard with my mom sitting doing some other random thing. I remember looking out and seeing the step bastard punching Blade in the face multiple times. I didn't understand what was happening, and I think I started crying. I remember my mom hugging me. At some point, a wound showed up on one side of his chest. I don't remember if it was before or after the punching incident. Either way. Anyway. The wound grew until it was a red, fleshy band across his chest. I wanted him to get looked at for it, but that's not something the parents were going to do. Eventually, I was told that Blade had died. I never saw the body. I never saw the proof. After that, we didn't have dogs for quite a while. I think it was around age 12 or so, my mom had mentioned to me about a dog that one of her friends had. More like a friend of a friend, not a friend friend. Whatever. Anyway. She said she wasn't sure he would go for it, but she didn't want to see the dog kept like she was, and if the guy would let her go, we would take her home. We looked at it like a a rescue mission. She took me along for that visit where I met Missy. She was a registered blue chow chow, Melissa's blue nemesis. What I learned later is that Missy was being kept out on a five-foot tether with a shack for a doghouse, even though the yard was fenced. The man that had her was a drunk and apparently only fed her when he remembered. I'm pretty sure my, that my mom... Uh, threw a little bit of caution to the wind when she took me that day. She at least trusted me not to get bit, and Missy showed an interest and affection, so we took her home. When we got home, I put Missy in the bathtub and spent a good 45 minutes bathing the muck out of her while she whined and groaned and stood patiently through all the torture. After we were done... We took her outside and put her in the yard, since we weren't planning on having an indoor dog. Not 15 minutes later, and we look outside into the carport through the screen door, and there's Missy, staring in at us, waiting to be let in. That's why the old man had her tethered. She was smart enough to open gates. I fucking loved that dog. I never had to leash her. She would stay with me. If she could help it, she never had an accident in the house. She would never go out in the yard if it were raining either, and would hold it until it was dry enough to go. And 
If I stepped out for even five minutes, she greeted my return with enthusiasm I had never seen from any living being in my life. She fucking loved me, and I loved her back. She got me. And I believe she wouldn't have let shit happen to me if things got real. I have to wonder if she's the reason more abuse didn't happen to me. I vaguely remember a story of her threatening to bite my brother when he was over to the house once. My mom guessed it was because she could smell the alcohol on his breath and it reminded her of her old home. Another interesting thing that happened, too. One of my friends also had a big old shepherdy type mutt named Rex. Rex would follow him over to my house occasionally while we hung out outside. In this one situation... One of the neighbor's Sharpays had escaped his yard and came rolling up to my house looking for a fight with Missy. Rex, that big badass stepped right up to the plate and had a go at the Sharpay to get him off of Missy. Both my friend and I just stared at each other in disbelief. Maybe it's putting too many human emotions on a canine scenario, but Rex made it clear that Missy wasn't to be fucked with. And the Sharpay sauntered back home. I think, in a way, that instilled a bit of there's some good in the world in both my friend and me that day. Like, it was an example to the both of us that some are willing to fight back against the bully. Missy and I had a connection. I mean, this adult... Chow came into our home with a mostly unknown background and became the best damn dog I've known. A dog that is aloof with strangers and typically only bonds with one person. And she chose me. A child. My parents always bitched about that too. But we spoil her and feed her from our bowls. Missy knew who the real MVP was. Thank you, old girl. Our success with Missy prompted us to try to get a second dog. We figured Missy might enjoy some company, so we went to the flea market and someone was giving away free puppies. That's how Prince joined the family. Prince was a young, boisterous boy, another shepherd mix of some sort. He stayed in my bedroom as a puppy, and I was responsible for taking care of him. This was actually going well until he got big enough to start getting on my bed. I had a waterbed. And he was a puppy. And waterbeds are like sensory overload, so he had to investigate with his teeth. Now, it could have been way worse, but honestly, some duct tape repaired... <laughs> A lot of his damage. Eventually, though, the stepbastard demanded that he go outside since he was causing damage. Apparently, we didn't know crates existed, so outside he went. By the second or third day, I came home from school and couldn't find him. I'd wondered if he'd somehow managed to escape, but eventually I found him lethargic, hiding underneath a bush in the back corner of the yard. 
It was bad enough that my mom actually agreed to call and make a vet appointment for him for the next day. He didn't make it. There I was, this young kid, holding on to this lethargic puppy who's not even three months old yet when he starts convulsing. I'd been holding him in my lap, wrapped in a blanket. His last convulsion produced a copious amount of bile with an aroma I'll never forget. And then, like that, he was gone. I remember holding his dead body, wrapped in that blanket, and walking out into the carport with him, wailing because he died in my arms and there wasn't a damn thing I could do about it. I still have a faint memory of glancing up to look at the house across the street where another kid that I was semi-friends with may have been outside with his mom. Or maybe it was just his mom, I don't know. I just remember looking up, feeling seen, feeling embarrassed, but also feeling too anguished to do anything differently and continued my wailing. Hell, I even remember the next day at school, one of my friends commented to me asking me why I was at school because she thought I had to take the dog to the vet. I was so hardened at that point, I simply responded, he didn't make it. And went along like the little badass I thought I needed to be. After Prince died and after Missy was diagnosed with heartworms, I vowed to myself that I would take better care of my pets once I had the option to do what I wanted to do with my own money. I wouldn't be limited by someone else's decisions. The dogs of my childhood taught me about death. They taught me that not, not all people are good people. They may have also taught me that, depending on who is in charge, you might die. They may have also taught me that ignoring problems or waiting too long to address them could also mean you might die. But they taught me what fucking love is. They taught me that it is possible to have a protector. Missy gave me all the reason I needed to speak up for the animals. Then there was Rue. Rue was heart dog number two. See, I was in a relationship with a shitty human, and shitty human looked at dogs as status symbols. I didn't want to talk. Roommate encouraged him to get Rue because she was a good deal and they could breed the dogs and get puppies to sell. Rue wound up staying in the crate a lot. It fucking killed me. Shitty human didn't have the, the patience to teach her anything. And after a few weeks, I got tired of the abuse and started working with her. I taught her some basic commands, and I started making sure her basic needs were being met, even though I was explicit that I didn't have the time to do so. Guess who started paying more attention to Rue after she had some basic obedience down? Shitty human. 
guess who Rue still preferred? Me. We often would go to bed before the shitty human, and she'd stretch out on the bed along my back and go to sleep with me until the shitty human came to bed and kicked her out. But she was a smart girl. She'd wait until he'd settled and fallen asleep, and then she would climb back in bed with me, stretching out across my front this time. She cemented my love for pit bulls. She was also the pooch that alerted me um, that I did have a voice and that I would use it to speak up for animals. See, she was a fairly sensitive dog and I was taking her out to potty one night and Shitty Human decides that it's a grand time to bring out the potato cannon. Oh, you've not heard of a potato cannon? Basically, it's a PVC contraption that you load with something like hairspray or some dumb shit. Then you cap off the end with a potato. The contraption is built with a push-button igniter, so you can just hit the button and launch the, the potato off into the ether. Thing is, they're loud. And Rue was having none of it. None of it. He freaked her out with it so much that I was screaming at him to stop that bullshit because it was scaring the fucking dog and probably some other slew of expletives that were unheard of from me at the time. He finally stopped and I took her back in the house to get away from the shitty human and whatever friends he was causing trouble with. I could honestly go on forever about the dogs. I mean, shit, I ran a pit bull rescue. I've had a number of dogs roll in and out of my care. So many of them had touched me in ways that I that have been vastly important to who I am. But I'm not trying to have a two-hour-long podcast where I just drivel on and on. Anyway. The dogs in my life have been safer than people. They haven't been out to harm me. They've been able to demonstrate what love really is. They've been able to demonstrate what loyalty is. They've been able to demonstrate compassion that I didn't see enough of from the people around me. In fucking hell, I feel like I got more physical affection like cuddles from the dogs in my life than the people. Why wouldn't I stand up and raise my voice on their behalf? They've fucking been there, you know? So, yeah, the people planted the things in my garden, but the dogs in my life, they've been by my side in the garden with me. Some next to me, enjoying the company, while others run laps and seek out the plants that'll test to my patience. And then others who've who have a permanent place in the garden, whether it be from short months of neglect and lack of care or years of memories and irreplaceable bonds. They've all added a little extra oomph to my time here. They've made tending to my garden a little easier, a little more palatable. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Your support means a lot to me, even if it's just a simple share on social media or to a friend or family member who you feel might enjoy the podcast too. 
Also, I can't forget to give a shout out to both Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and Scott Buckley at scottbuckley.com.au for the music transitions they provided for use in the show. If you want to shoot me an email, it's questionyourgarden at gmail.com. Until next time, keep weeding. <laughs>